Hello and welcome to Medical Matters, an Eden Center podcast. I'm Hannah Evenchen, and I'm very honored to be having this conversation today with Dr. Galper Grossman. The Eden Center works to strengthen Jewish women and family life and promote the spiritual, emotional, physical, and sexual health of women and couples using the mikvah as a primary vehicle to attain those goals. Sharon Galper Grossman is a radiation oncologist and former faculty member of Harvard Medical School, where she also obtained a master's in public health. She is a graduate of the Morot Halacha program for women's advanced halachic learning at Matan HaSharon. She writes and lectures on women's health and halacha and teaches for Matan, Machon Pua, and the Eden Center, where she is the director of community health programming. Today we are going to be discussing electronic cigarettes, e-cigarettes, vaping. Um, we chose this topic in response to the recent death of an Israeli 16-year-old boy named Maidan Keller, who died from complications of vaping, which highlighted the prevalent issue in youth today regarding vaping and how unaware many are about its dangers. So hello, Sharon. It's great to be back having important conversations together. Hello, Hannah. It's an honor to join you. Let's start with the basics. What exactly is vaping? So vaping uh, has a lot, has a few names. It could be called electronic cigarettes, e-cigarettes, vapes. But basically, they use a battery-operated device to heat a liquid and produce a vapor that the user inhales. Now, the liquid almost always contains nicotine, even though the vast majority of kids who are using this product don't believe that it does. They don't realize that it does. It contains propylene glycol or glycerol, which are carcinogens. It can contain alcohol. It contains flavorings such as candy, fruit soda. These are added to enhance the pleasure and the, um, the fun of initial exposure to hook kids into using it. Uh, and it also can contain THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. It can contain other carcinogens like lead, nickel, chromium, manganese. Some of these um, compounds are safe when they're ingested, but when they're heated and aerosolized, they could be quite dangerous. Uh, they don't expose the user to as many of the harmful compounds as cigarette smoke. They don't, it doesn't have tar, it doesn't have oxidant gases, doesn't have carbon monoxide, but these e-cigarette vapors do contain toxic chemicals. And so there is concern of the regarding the dangers of using these products. And so most experts believe that e-cigarette vapor is probably less harmful than inhaling cigarette smoke, but that doesn't mean that it's harmless. Mm -hmm. So would you describe it as a dangerous habit? So right now we don't know what the long-term long -term effects of e-cigarettes are. We don't know if they cause cancer because we need to follow people 20 years or longer to see if something causes cancer. We do know that on a molecular level, some of the changes that take place in the airways are similar to those, uh, to the effects of carcinogens. Uh, we don't know if what the, what the exact long-term effects are of e-cigarettes on the heart. It does, they do appear to increase the risk of heart attacks, certainly in those who are using e-cigarettes 
and combustible cigarettes. They are linked to uh, respiratory illnesses like asthma uh, and um, uh, cough, but they're addictive. They're highly, highly addictive. Virtually all e-cigarettes contain nicotine, uh, which is highly addictive, especially to youngsters, uh, especially when for those who have whose brains continue to develop and the brain continues to develop till age 25. And what's so concerning is that the risk of nicotine addiction from e-cigarettes may be significantly greater than the risk of nicotine addiction from combustible cigarettes. Some of these products like Juul, which is um, a product that captured uh, one of the best-selling brands of e-cigarettes, delivers nicotine 2.7 times faster than other e-cigarettes and um, has eight times higher concentration of nicotine than these other e-cigarettes and five times higher concentration than that of combustible cigarettes. Studies that have looked at um, markers of addiction, kids have found that uh, the addiction rate from e-cigarettes is growing. How do they? How is this measured? By the percentage of kids who vape within the first five minutes of waking up in the morning, and that number is, is rising. So the risk of, of addiction is substantial. There's also concern that um, kids who use e-cigarettes, and e-cigarettes are really a gateway to combustible cigarettes. We know that a substantial number of kids who start off using e-cigarettes uh, will progress to combustible cigarettes in the United States over a two-year period. 260,000 kids went from e-cigarettes to combustible cigarettes. And we know that 80% of kids who start smoking during adolescence continue throughout their lives. And one third will eventually die prematurely from smoking-related diseases. So there's tremendous concern uh, regarding nicotine addiction and turning an entire generation uh, into, into uh, nicotine addicts and into smokers and reversing some of the incredible effects we've had in public health over the last 50 years in dropping smoking rates. Uh, they're also dangerous for bystanders. There is this notion it's just harmless water vapor and we know that's not true. The vapors contain toxic, uh, toxic compounds in them. And in many areas, smoking, uh, e using e-cigarettes is illegal. It's not allowed in public places because of the concern regarding passive secondhand smoke. So these are not benign products. Uh, they are very concerning, uh, even though they are new and we, we have much less information regarding their long-term dangers than we do about e-cigarettes and uh, then combustible cigarettes. But all of this was, you know, very well and good. And um, people may have been more willing to uh, accept the dangers of e-cigarettes until the summer of 2019, when this new disease emerged called e-volley, e-cigarette vaping acute lung injury, which sounds, which probably is what this young man in Israel suffered from. And it is a vaping related uh, illness where the e-cigarettes, for whatever reason, we're not sure exactly what compound is responsible for this, but perhaps uh, vitamin E acetate in, the, in um, some vaping products that have THC or some other compound, but something in the vaping uh, liquid or the process of aerosolizing it is causing damage to the lung. 
There were over 2,800 cases of hospitalization in the United States from this, and 68 deaths. And this young man represents just one such casualty in Israel. And um, this Ivali really shows that we not only need to be concerned about the long-term effects of vaping, but even the short-term effects, because even one-time use could, could uh, put someone at risk. Wow. So what I'm understanding from what you just presented is that while vaping is newer and therefore less researched than um, combustible cigarettes, um, there's no indication that it is less dangerous. It is perhaps differently dangerous. It is um, leaves a high risk of nicotine addiction. Um, it also sounds to me that it is often misrepresented, that the nicotine content is often omitted or misrepresented, definitely not understood by the common um, population. And the fact that it is, I guess you could say, disguised with these fruity smells and fun aromas, which takes away a lot of the stigma of smoking regular cigarettes, which I would say a lot of people find this the smell of cigarettes to be unpleasant. Um, this has removed that factor. And we associate light fruity smells with, you know, things that are relatively harmless or possibly fun and good like candy. So it sounds like that leaves a lot of complications in the relationship between society and vaping and perhaps explains a bit of the lack of understanding in the subject and the reason why people don't realize how dangerous it is. So Hannah, you make two very important points. First, that um, e-cigarettes are often misrepresented uh, as being nicotine free and people have this misperception that they're safe because they don't contain nicotine. The CDC in fact reports that 99% of e-cigarettes sold in the United States contain nicotine. And some of these products have labels that say they don't contain nicotine when in fact they do have nicotine. So there's a lot of misinformation and that misinformation has just trickled down to our children. Unfortunately, we are in the midst of a vaping epidemic and uh, use among youth has skyrocketed. It increased 1,800% between 2010 and 2019 and it's even reached the religious world. Uh, there was recently a study produced from that came out of Machon Siach, which is the research arm of SAR High School in Riverdale, that reported on substance use in 19 uh, modern Orthodox high schools, primarily in the New York area. Uh, actually, not necessarily modern Orthodox, but, but yeshiva high schools. And um, uh, in 3,500 students and compared these rates to those of the general population from a highly validated study called the Monitoring the Future Study, which tracked substance use in the United States every year since 1975. And thank God the rates of vaping in 10th and 12th graders were slightly lower than the general population because that was not the case when they looked at um, use of alcohol. But the rates of vaping in our in these yeshiva high schools were astounding. Fourteen percent of tenth graders are vaping, and twelve and twenty five percent of twelfth graders are vaping. These are this this is very very shocking uh, and very disturbing for all of the reasons that we mentioned. 
we just mentioned, not the least of which that it will um, introduce an entire generation to reintroduce an entire generation to cigarettes. Uh, but many of these kids, most of these kids assume that e-cigarettes are safe. They assume that they don't contain nicotine. In fact, my son was on the bus going home from school and he in seventh grade where and an eighth grader turned to him and offered him a vape. And he told him it's strawberry gummy, it's harmless, it's just water vapor, it has no nicotine, it tastes great, it's gonna make you feel good, just try it, it'll give you a head rush, nobody will ever know you're using it, it's totally a totally cool device, it looks just like a pen, there's no smoke, everyone in the yeshiva is using it. Thank God my son grows up in a house where his mother is passionate about <laughs> things like e-cigarettes, and he had the good sense to know that e-cigarettes contain nicotine and tell this boy, thanks, but no thanks. I know this has nicotine and I'm not trying it, but people don't know this. Kids don't know it. And so they try it and they try it once and they want to try it again. They're not trying it because they're addicted. They think they're just trying some candy. They're just trying another form of candy that's safe. And that's how it starts. And then, and then from there, it progresses to um, an addiction because nicotine is highly addictive, especially in the form of e-cigarettes. Which brings us to your second point. Um, well, almost brings us to your second point. We talked about how it's disguised. It's disguised as something else. Um, and in a hearing at the House of Representatives, one of the representatives got up and said that this is really, that e-cigarettes are really cigarettes um, dressed up in different clothing. In Israel, the Ministry of Health has referred to e-cigarettes as uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing. That really, we've, we've been here before, we've seen this before, and we are kind of reliving the whole um, uh, uh, public health history of cigarettes. And so e-cigarettes in many ways are more insidious, insidious than combustible cigarettes because as you said, there's no smell of smoke. There's just this very yummy smell of candy. And um, we can't tell, there, there's, there's no smoke on your breath. There's no smoke coming out of your mouth. Kids are vaping, according to an article in Jewish Action, they're vaping in the classroom and uh, in front of the Rebbe because the devices are easily concealed. They look like a disc on key. They look like a pen. They look like you know normal school materials. Uh, and they don't produce any smoke. And so it's really hard to know that, um, that our kids are doing this. It's really hard to intercede. It's really easy to conceal. And it's really, really, really insidious. What could be wrong with strawberry gummy flavor? What could be wrong with it? Right, right. Wow, such a complicated situation. Uh, we're going to come back to this point. Um... A little bit later, but it also touches on the issues of peer pressure and social norms and what people are being exposed to. But adding misinformation to that is going to make the whole thing all that more complicated if people literally just don't even have the right information and the companies are not even obligated to be advertising it accurately and be give accurate information about what this product contains. Um, I do want to 
take a step back for a minute and ask you about the halachic side of things. So I'd like to know what the halachic stance is on vaping. And perhaps a better place to start is with the halachic approach to smoking. So I think that's, uh, that is a very good way of framing the halachic issues. E-cigarettes are very, a relatively new product and few post game have weighed in on them. Although um, I will share, share with you uh, what post game until now have said on this topic, but to really get a handle on how halacha might approach e-cigarettes, we need to take a step back and say, well, how does halacha approach smoking cigarettes? And so uh, there was a time when rabbinic figures extolled the benefits of smoking. They argued that um, based on what cigarette companies at the time said, that it aided in digestion, it whets the appetite, it improves well-being, it freshens your breath. The Baal Shem Tov even compared smoking to ketoret. And in fact, from what I've, what I've read, that smoking was so deeply entrenched in the Beit Midrash that there were stenders with ashtray holders in it to accommodate smoking during shiurim. But about 50 years before the first scientific reports emerged talking about the dangers of smoking, the Chafetz Chaim was a lone voice in the rabbinic world decrying the dangers of smoking. And he, he um, criticized smokers. And when they said that he told them they were wasting their time and endangering their health, and their health. And when they told him, well, we can't help it, we're addicted, his reaction was, well, whoever told you to start smoking in the first place? And so in 1964, the Surgeon General issued his um, landmark publication uh, reporting on the dangers of smoking. And then uh, rabbinic authority started to write chuvot. So Moshe Feinstein wrote a tshuva uh, shortly after the Surgeon General published his warning in Yoredea, Chelek uh, Bet, Simon Mem Tet, and again in uh, 1981 in Choshen Mishpat, Chelek Bet, Ayin Vav, and Rabbi Feinstein never formally prohibited cigarette smoking. He uh, felt that the halachic principle Shemer Pateim Hashem, that God watches over the simple, applied to cigarettes uh, and could justify smoking because the vast majority of smokers were fine. Nothing bad happened to them. But he did say if, he suggested if the data changed, that his sock might change. And in fact, today, his uh, his son, David Feinstein, his son-in-law, Rav Moshe Tendler, who I had this to speak to personally on this topic, both argued that Rabbi Feinstein would most certainly prohibit cigarettes today based on the available data that we have. And as time evolved, more and more post-game prohibited cigarettes. Uh, Rabbi Ephraim Greenblatt, compared smoking to suicide. He said, anyone who thinks that you can rely on Shomer Pateim Hashem to justify smoking is basically saying they're going to the middle of the highway with oncoming traffic, lying down and saying, Shomer Pateim Hashem, God will watch over me. He says, how can you say smoking cigarettes is permitted in halacha when smoking is prohibited in places that allow alcohol? Rav Vavaji Yosef prohibits smoking, Tzitzel Eliezer prohibits smoking. There really is no modern posek who permits smoking. And so the question is, 
can we, what, how, how are we to view uh, cigarettes in halacha? Are they more like, uh, sorry, e-cigarettes in halacha, are they like combustible cigarettes, in which case they're asur, or are they more like fatty foods, which I we've talked about how halacha approaches fatty foods on this podcast, but the vast majority of post game would say fatty foods are not recommended. They're not they're not good for you. Probably you shouldn't do them, but they're not. You should, probably shouldn't use them, but they're not asur. And so the question is, how do we frame e-cigarettes in that context? Do are they more like combustible cigarettes, or are they more like donuts? And um, and so there are several arguments for why halacha would approach uh, e-cigarettes like combustible cigarettes. And the first is that they're so similar to combustible cigarettes uh, and which halacha prohibits. The second is some of the dangers that I mentioned. The third is their highly addictive potential. This was the reason that uh, Rabbi Tendler believed that they were prohibited on a biblical level because addiction is prohibited in Jewish law. Uh, and in two places, Rabbi Feinstein prohibited addiction in his smoking tshuva, even though he never prohibited smoking, he prohibited addiction. And in his marijuana tshuva, uh, he also prohibited addiction. So there, there are very specific circumstances when post-game apply this principle, Shemir Ptim Hashem, to uh, permit dangerous behaviors. Some post-game only permit it for uh, in the case when you're involved in a mitzvah, there's no mitzvah involved in smoking e-cigarettes. Uh, some post scheme only per, uh, apply it for when the dangers are um, uh, not immediate, when they're more long-term. And yes, the potential dangers of e-cigarettes are long-term, could be long-term, but we've also seen from Ivali and the um, smoking-related, the e-cigarette-related lung illness that uh, the dangers of e-cigarettes could even be in the short term, even um, after immediate use. Rabbi, Rabbi Waldenberg uh, in Sitz Eliezer, volume 15, uh, uh, number 39, talks about the application of Shemir Pateem Hashem to combustible cigarettes. And he says that this halachic principle does not apply to combustible cigarettes and that they're usher because um, the Modern medical evidence show, documents the dangers of combustible cigarettes. The Surgeon General has issued warnings on uh, on combustible cigarettes, and government labels uh, show that society is not willing to accept the dangers of these products. And some of these arguments really do apply to e-cigarettes. Uh, e-cigarettes have a label on them that says, "Warning: This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is uh, is addictive." And some might argue that's a very tepid, lukewarm warning, but others would argue it's a warning. And so it shows that society isn't willing to accept this danger. There have been lawsuits and a lot of legal action against e-cigarettes. The FDA banned flavored e-cigarette products because um, these products draw the kids in and are particularly appealing to kids. And the FDA was trying to uh, curb the e-cigarette epidemic in our youth and vaping epidemic in our youth. Then they banned all jewel products. California, state of California treats e-cigarettes like combustible cigarettes and imposes the same restrictions. And three quarters of the uh, states of the United States have filed a lawsuit against jewel for billions and billions of dollars uh, based on their marketing practices. So all of these these facts together show that society is aware of the risks of these cigarettes 
and that it's not willing to accept those risks. Now there's certain populations in particular where the dangers of e-cigarettes are even greater and the prohibition against using them would be even greater. And so those populations are pregnant women because any amount of nicotine exposure is harmful to the developing fetus as well as kids where the dangers of e-cigarettes are magnified, where the likelihood of progressing to combustible cigarettes is even greater, uh, where using e-cigarettes might interfere with kibud horim, uh, honoring their parents because parents will be ups are upset when their kids use e-cigarettes. E it might also be particularly um, usser or prohibited in kids because it leads to betel Torah, wasting time learning. Torah, the warnings for kids, uh, the, the government warnings that have been issued and statements from the Surgeon General are even stronger for kids. It's illegal for children to use e-cigarettes. In Israel, it's illegal till age 18, and in the United States till age 21. So using it violates Dina. And there's this prevailing notion in the halachic literature uh, regarding cigarette use that we must be even more careful when it comes to our kids using e-cigarettes, uh, using cigarettes in general. So that's just a very theoretical overview of how halacha would approach e-cigarettes. What have post schemes said? So again, as I said, it's it's very early. There um, have not been, there really haven't been any formal chew vote regarding e-cigarette use. Uh, but so, so far there have been a range of responses by Aryeh Leibowitz, uh, the director of Smicha Yeshiva University in 2015, uh, thought that he wasn't, wasn't sure, thought that e-cigarettes fell somewhere between donuts and smoking, bad for you, but permitted in 2017, he wasn't sure. Uh, by Daniel Gladstein uh, has said that if vaping, is 95% safer than combustible cigarettes, what's that really mean? Does it mean, it, it, his analogy is, if someone told you that it's 95% safer to jump off the Statue of Liberty than the Empire State Building, does that mean that halacha allows it? And so uh, he suggests that even if halacha permits it, it's, um, it's really not something that one should do. Rabbi Tendler uh, believed that e-cigarettes were prohibited on a biblical level. Uh, Rabbi Herschel Schechter and Mordechai Willig prohibit non-smokers from using e-cigarettes. Uh, they believe that even though we don't know the long-term effects, the exact precise long-term effects of regular e-cigarettes, the fact that they involve inhaling toxins really should be enough to, for, to prohibit them. Um, and that non-smokers who use these products violate the prohibition against self-endangerment. Rabbi Aaron Glott also believes that e-cigarettes are prohibited uh, and especially for non-smokers. And if someone is vaping, he suggests that they seek professional help immediately. So that's just a little bit of a, of a sampling of where we're at. Again, not a lot has, um, not a lot has been uh, written on this topic. And I believe that as, as this becomes more popular and awareness grows, there will be more written. There is one population where there may be a role for e-cigarettes, and that's for smokers who are trying to quit smoking. Uh, right now, the FDA has not approved e-cigarettes for smoking cessation. Uh, the CDC does not, rec or and the United States Prote uh, Preventative Task Force do not recommend using them as a smoking cessation product. England does, the NHS of England does, 
but there really isn't convincing data to show the benefits of using these products in um, terms of smoking cessation. And what we've seen is that what typically happens is that people who are using e-cigarettes to help quit smoking end up using both products. And using both products is even more dangerous than just smoking. And so if in the future there is convincing data to show that e-cigarettes um, are an effective smoking cessation product, then I, I, I suspect that PostGame would not only permit their use, but even obligate their use, provided that it was done under medical supervision and didn't get into the hands of kids because that's, that's the net effect here. These products were, uh, were promoted by the e-cigarette um, the e makers as a smoking cessation product, but in the end of the day, they reached kids uh, and one really needs to question their motives and whether they're sincere in their motives because they've added these flavors which are and, and they've marketed them in packaging that makes them look like candy to appeal to kids. Wow. It sounds to me like the halachic response goes in one of two ways, that there are those who take the approach of saying it's similar enough to smoking and we know enough about smoking that we will take that same conclusion and apply it to vaping and others that say this is its own process and we're going to go through that process and not reach any conclusions until we investigate vaping medically and halakhically in its own right. Um, and it does sound so challenging. Um, also, the concept of Shomer Pteim Hashem, as you were speaking, it made me think how that is also a, a term that um, that applies at different times in different ways, because as you said, Sharon, the idea of what is the social norm and how entrenched is it in society and how aware are people of the dangers affects how we relate to that concept of is it an acceptable behavior um, logically, is it an acceptable behavior halachically, is impacted by our understanding of how it will impact our health, our understanding of what exactly is in it and other behaviors it could lead to and where it leaves us in our health medically and therefore halachically. So it's not one black and white term or black and white concept. There is a societal relative element to it. And um, and I, I would hope that we would also use our common sense and use all the research that we have on combustible cigarettes that dates back decades and the other awareness that we have of addictions and the threat of addictions in our youth. And I do hope that it's coming through in our voices today, the fact that we feel very compassionate towards anybody dealing with addiction and not at all judgmental of somebody who has been exposed to this or become addicted to it. Because as you pointed out, the way that society handles it, the way that the the companies market it, it's there in order to appeal to people, to be attractive, to be user-friendly, to get into society, even unfortunately at very young ages. And therefore we're really coming from a place of sensitivity, I hope, sensitivity and compassion to this um, new element in our society because we do know that it poses a health risk. And therefore, the more that we can educate, the more that we can inform, the more that we can share the information. And personally, speaking for myself, 
the idea of saying, let's stay ahead of the information and not not assume that until medicine proves that it's dangerous, that it might not be dangerous with all the comparisons to smoking. Let's let's assume that there could be dangers and try to protect our children from it, protect ourselves from it as much as possible and not wait and see what damage it might do. Uh, that's my own personal preference. But I think that um, it sounds really complicated. It sounds complicated in terms of society, in terms of marketing, especially, you know, let's touch on the idea of peer pressure that we mentioned before. These are things that are not easy to tackle, not for parents, not for educators. It's it's hard. These are difficult topics. Peer pressure, addiction, habits that we see all around us um, are complicated. So what what can we do? What should we do? to try to keep our society healthy? So I, th- I think it's really hard um, to be a parent in the world that we live in today. And it's really hard to be a child growing up in the world we live in. There's so many different things to worry about. And whoever thought e-cigarettes was one of them, but it's it needs to be added to the list. Uh, one of the, the statements, one, one of the things that came out of uh, the death in Israel from um, vaping was the mother of this 16-year-old boy begged the public to uh, beg parents to be aware of e-cigarettes, to know what they are, and to and, and to take a stand on it. And so there was an article in Jewish Action that talked about what we can do to prevent our children from using e-cigarettes. Um, And the article started off by emphasizing that really prevention is much more effective than intervention, because by the time parents realize that their kid is vaping, it's too late. They may be addicted to nicotine. And so it suggests that parents should educate themselves regarding what e-cigarettes look like. They need to know what they look like. And this is a tricky one because um, I saw a video from the Today Show from a number of years ago where they actually brought parents into the classroom and asked asked them to see if they could spot the vape. The parents couldn't spot the vape and the teachers couldn't spot the vape, the vape because the vaping devices looked exactly like the disk drive, the pen on the desk, wow. um, the cell phone. And so parents need to know what e-cigarettes look like, how they're used, um, where their teen might encounter them, what's in a vape product, or what's in e-cigarettes, and they need to have that conversation with their kids. And they shouldn't worry that parents are often worried about the power of suggestion. If I start talking to my kid about it, he's going to want to do it because he hadn't heard about it before. And so the experts say, don't worry about that because your kid already heard about it, and your kid needs to be equipped with information to combat the the risk, combat the exposure. They need to know what to say when the kid turns to them in class or on on the bus going home from school or on the school trip or walking from the bus to the house. They need to have a response prepared when they're offered the e-cigarette and they they need to be equipped with that information. And so as parents, it's really our responsibility to empower them with that information by talking to them about this, spending quality of time with them to foster communication so that they're comfortable talking to us about these things and making sure that our schools and camps and other communal organizations send a very clear anti-vaping message. Um, I, I In Israel, I don't feel that our schools even address this issue at all. 
and so, you know, there really is a need, need to develop uh, national education programs regarding the danger of e-cigarettes and schools need to have systems in place. There's some schools that have vape detectors in place. There are other schools that do, um, that, that bring in uh, counselors to talk about substance use and abuse and nicotine. Um, there's schools that do drug testing, but we need to realize that we are, we are uh, up against a major force, a major, uh, a major threat to, to the stability of our children's lives, to the, our children's health, and that, that we need to have our eyes open and do what we can to protect them from this. Yeah. As you said, it's not, it's wonderful to be a parent, but it's not necessarily easy. And it's not easy to be a kid nowadays, I don't think. I think there's some wonderful opportunities out there, but um, but there are also really tricky elements around us in society. And I think having that conversation, whether it's as a parent or an educator, I think it's something that's really important that leadership whether it's leadership in schools, leadership in communities, educational leadership, religious leadership, the more that they put that out there, I think, and get ahead of that message, as you said, it it puts it out there. It also helps kids and adults who might be struggling with this know that this is a topic that's already been put on the table so you can ask for help or you can ask for more information. The minute something's put on the table, it removes a certain element of taboo. And I think for kids, um, as a parent, I believe that some of the most important conversations that we need to have with our children are not one-time conversations, but rather they're ongoing conversations. Here, it's about the the practical information of what vaping might look like, how it might introduce itself into their lives, and also the concept of addiction and the concept of finding that balance and the concept of peer pressure. And these are complicated conversations, and they're not easy issues to to deal with and they're not black and white but like you said the more information we give ourselves the more information we can give others and and hopefully as a society keep ourselves in a in a healthy place and like we've mentioned i think in several conversations that we've had in this podcast it's it's not about black and white it's not about all or nothing it's about taking a step in a direction towards health and awareness and empowerment in the right direction. And we can all take a step. We can all, you know, try to in um, educate ourselves a little bit more, educate others in, in the contexts that present themselves in our lives. And, and hopefully in that way also give strength to those who are trying to spread a positive message. I agree. Um, as a parent, it's it can sometimes be overwhelming because, you know, this this just kind of popped up. E-cigarettes just kind of popped up from out of thin air, and this was not something that we struggled with growing up, uh, and it's not something that that uh, really is on the radar screen of a lot of parents. And so that's why I really hope that this podcast um, increases awareness and helps open up a conversation uh, amongst amongst ourselves and with our children. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And um, I appreciate you taking the time to give us all this really, really important information on this topic. 
And like you said, the mother of uh, this Israeli boy, Maidan Keller, who said she hopes other kids his age will hear and understand the threat. And um, and so we we are so sorry for the loss for that family. And what we can do with that is take that information and try to use it to educate others. Thank you so much, Dr. Sharon Galper-Grossman, for sharing all this information with us today. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. Wishing everybody good health and only good things. And we look forward to seeing you next time. You've been listening to Medical Matters, insights into current issues in health and halacha with Dr. Sharon Galper-Grossman and Hannah Evenchen. This podcast is an Eden Center production. To learn more about our work, check out our website at www.theedincenter.com.